On this episode of Split Decision, we'll be talking UFC Vegas 75, locking in our bets for UFC Jacksonville this weekend, taking a short walk down memory lane with a brief glimpse into a scary Rampage Jackson fight, and of course giving you every detail for this week's fight card. But first, a small introduction to who we are. This podcast aims to bring listeners, whether casual viewers or diehard enthusiasts, a simpler take on the UFC. We want to recap and break down the current UFC cards in a way that speaks to the average person, offering the different perspectives that they've been craving. Join Alex and Christian, just two regular guys, every Friday. Alright guys, welcome to Split Decision. Uh, you heard from Alex in the intro. My name is Christian. I'm the other co-host. And we are here to talk everything UFC. Um, and the, the first thing we're going to start off with, we're going to have a recap of last weekend's uh, fight card, UFC Vegas 75. The main event was Vittori Cannoneer. It was a great card. A lot of people were talking shit on it online just because there weren't any big names. But if you actually watch the fights, it really was a great and entertaining card. What do you think? Dude, for a free fight, that was like pay-per-view level excitement. Truthfully. It really was. It wasn't any big names, but I could, all the fights delivered, especially on the main card, in my opinion. Right. I mean, even if you went into this week not really knowing who anybody was, which you know I'm sure a lot of people did if they're just casually watching, but this fight really... Blew my socks off. It was crazy. It was a great card. And I think the best fight of the night, and it's the one we're going to start off with tonight, was actually the main event, which isn't always, it's not always the main event that's the best fight of the night, but I think in this case it might have been uh, Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. Right. Middleweight bout. Middleweight bout, 185. So these are some big boys. They got some power. Uh, It was a great fight. Marvin Vittori showed how tough he was. But man, Jared Cannonier beat him up, and he showed how good he was in the fight, dude. So that was that was super, super surprising. Number one, the UFC I think delivered or showed that they can deliver any weekend. They have the arsenal of fighters that can just put on a show, a great show, whether it's you know UFC two eighty nine, two ninety, two ninety one, or if it's UFC Vegas seventy five. That makes me even more excited for UFC Jacksonville this coming weekend. Yeah, it just proves that if you just watch these fights, these guys are so talented. Uh, something crazy is bound to happen. And this fight was pretty crazy. Uh, Vittori started off pretty well in the fight. He wa- In fact, he wobbled Jared. I mean, he wobbled Cannonier like 30 seconds into the fight. It looked like it was almost over. Right. So we watched that fight together. We watched a lot of fights together. But... On that fight specifically, I think we were rooting on different people. Personally, I wanted Cannonier to win. I think you wanted Vittori, correct? Yeah, I had a bet on Vittori to win by decision. Okay, okay. So I actually had Cannonier, but anyway. Dude, that was just a long, grueling fight. It, you know, it took a lot for Cannonier to, to, you know, personally beat the single fight significant strike record 
And middleweight, yeah. Right, 241 significant strikes landed. I think that it, that also shows Vittori, because usually that many strikes in... That's why that many strikes hasn't happened in a middleweight fight. It's because usually with a guy that big, if you're getting hit that much, you're knocked out. Absolutely. Dude, Vittori's chin? It dude. was crazy, because he was wobbled. He almost got knocked out in the second, and then he was just a... He fought back, and he had some good shots himself, but in, in essence, he was a punching bag. The rest of the fight. Yeah. And so, considering all that. Four rounds to one Cannoneer, I think, easily. Yeah, I think I'd actually agree. But considering all of that, to think that Marvin Vittori is only 29 years old. Cannoneer is what, 34? 39. They're at a 10-year age. Okay, 39 years old. Right. So, to think that Marvin Vittori is only 29 years old. He has so much room to grow. So much more to be able to learn. This isn't a bad loss for him. It's not. I know he's frustrated that he keeps losing to the top tier guys in the division. He's lost to Adesanya, uh, Robert Whitaker, and now Cannonier. But again, as you said, he's only 29, so really, he's got time to grow. If he sticks with it, he can't be taking this many shots a fight. He's got to get that defense a little bit better because you can't. You're not going to be durable for that long. Right. But he is still young. He still has plenty of time to work. Uh, he still has a time, time to become a champ, which I know is his ultimate goal. Right, and he's he's definitely still on the, the up-and-come on his career. Exactly. I don't think he's going anywhere. So who do you think Cannoneer fights next? You know, that's a tough question. Um, the guy that spoke up online was Ham, Hamzat Chamayev. Right. And they asked, I would love to see that fight. They asked Cannoneer at the press conference, and he said, if I fight him and I win and I'm guaranteed a title shot, I'll fight him, which I respect that. Yeah. Because he I mean, deserves it, another title. I mean, who else is he going to fight? Right. And it, you said 39. At 39, you have to wonder. He's got probably got like two or three fights left in him. Right. One more run is what is what a lot of fighters say. Yeah. I think that's what he's doing right now at that age. Um, but yeah, he's right up there with the top. I think in that division, especially that Pereira moved up. Uh it's Adesanya, it's Whitaker, and the number three, I think, might be Cannonier. Right. Yeah, it definitely doesn't, definitely doesn't leave it open because, I mean, you just mentioned three killers above that. But so, again, Vittori's younger than all, all three of those guys. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. Next, probably one of the biggest fights, Vegas-wise. We had like odds-wise? Correct. Biggest difference? Yeah, we had a minus... 1100 Armin Sarukian versus a plus 750 Joaquin Silva. This fight, I think anybody, fight, fight fan or not, could probably imagine who won the fight, but it was still really, really good. It was. Sarzukian, he kind of dominated at first. Then I think he got way too uh, cocky. He got rocked in the second. I thought he was done. I thought it was about to be the biggest upset of the card. That might have been one of the biggest upsets of the year. I mean, he absolutely got rocked. But what I like, what he did, was once he got rocked, he immediately went for the takedown, and he kind of took back control, which, honestly, that's the uh, the best thing you can do. Right. Now, while you can't Gives really... you a chance to recover and then kind of get the point back almost. Correct. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you get rocked. You you face the adversity, and then you overcome it. You know, 
You fight you fight what you have to fight against. And he, he was able to secure the knockout in round three. One of the things I'm most a, a fan of for this fight is, you know, whether it's intentional or not, they gave fight fans a fight for the money. You know, it was back and forth. Even though it was a strong performance by Saruki, it was a very, very good fight. Yeah, Silva didn't make himself look bad. But, man, in that third, when uh, it was the final takedown, when when Sarzuki had slammed Silva on his head. Yeah. That was pretty much the knockout right there. After that, it was just grind, like he was done. Yeah, he, he, he almost, I don't want to say curled up, but it was. It was almost a curl up and then just vicious ground and pound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to end the fight is what Sarzuki did. So he did it. He ended the fight. There was about a minute and a half left. I think he would have won on the scorecard anyway, but it's always good to get a finish. Always looks good. So you did you pick Saruki in for this fight? I did. It was too um, too big of odds to to even play with it. Like the odds were that way for a reason. Right. Like, okay. I thought I thought that's the same why it was thing. such a big deal when Silva rocked him. It was like, oh shit. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so the next fight in the card was Christian Leroy Duncan came into the fight undefeated versus Armin, how do you say this, Petrosian? Yeah, Petrosian, Petrosian. Listen, dude, I really thought Duncan was going to keep his undefeated streak alive here. He came out with this, I know he always does it, but he came out with this heavily acrobatic style that it seemed like Petrosian just kind of understood that he didn't have anything to really combat him. So he just walked him down all well, fight. Well, that's, that's because Petrosian, so his defense was so good. What's his name? C CLD, Christian Leroy Duncan. Right. Showed off his crazy athleticism, unorthodox style. So it is hard to, to get to be comfortable with that. But Petrosian, he was comfortable in himself. And... And he kind of just stood there, and I think he arguably won the first round. And then as the fight went on, he just he got better and better. And CDL, I wouldn't say he faded, but he stopped doing he stopped doing that acrobatic stuff. Right. Yeah. He. So the interesting thing here is this was an upset. You know, it wasn't a heavy upset. CLD came into this fight. It's one of those fights that's an upset only if you looked at the. Uh, at the, the betting the odds. odds before right. the fight. If you looked at it, like if you watched the fight, you would never have thought. That was actually what I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. You never would have thought Petrosian was the underdog. He looked like the better fighter in the fight. Yeah, Petrosian really overcame some odds here. Not a lot of people expected him to win. I mean, betting odds, it was almost, you know, Duncan was only a slight favorite. But the hype train for Duncan here being 8-0 coming in, everybody really thought he was going get, to get to 9-0. They really did. And Petroisian, he got that. You know, he easily won the fight. I had it 30-27 all three rounds, Petroisian. The judges, it was a unanimous decision for him. 30-27, 29-28, 29-28. So everybody saw the fight in uh, Petroisian's favor. Yeah, not, nothing really crazy with the judges there. Yeah, the judges, honestly, in this card, there were no egregious things. Oh, really? Actually, let me hold on. Scorecard-wise. Okay. Judge scorecard-wise. All right. Well, we're not talking about refs. We're talking about judges. Well, we'll get to the refs and the judges later. Let, let's just let's just hold off on that. What about the next fight? What was that? Sabatini versus Al Almeida. Almeida. Pat Sabatini. Yeah, versus Lucas Almeida. Man, Pat Sabatini from the get-go, he got an early takedown, set the tone for the rest of the fight. 
mean, so, he dominated that first round. Even though Lucas Almeida was the underdog here, it wasn't a heavy underdog. It was a slight underdog. But he should I, have been a heavy underdog after I, watching the fight. After watching the fight, absolutely. I genuinely thought Almeida was going to come in here and really take down Sabatini. Sabatini was knocked out his previous performance, so I thought that was going to have kind of a mental block on him. You know, that, that's, that's a hard thing to come back from. What I do say, I'm humble in my defeat. Pat Sabatini absolutely dog-walked Lucas Almeida right here. He's a dog. And then I love that he dominated the fight and then was able to finish it. Finish right. it on the ground, too. You always love a good sub-arm triangle. When technically, I guess if you're speaking technically, Lucas Almeida was the best, better wrestler coming in. Well, he was better jiu-jitsu. I wouldn't say wrestler. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Because Sabatini out-wrestled. He, he out-wrestled him. So what we had here was just a very dominant performance by Sabatini. It was a good look from Sabatini. I think he kind of, uh, it looks like he may be on the up and up. With an arm triangle in the second. With an arm triangle. Right. Moving on to the next fight. We had Manuel Torres versus Nicolas Mota. So I think we both said, I know we didn't record this, but when we were both talking just about the fights before, right? and we looked at the fights a little bit, I think both of us knew and said, this fight is not getting out of the first round. And it, it delivered. <laughs> Dude, this fight, I don't know what else I can say other, other than it was awesome. So coming in, Manuel Torres' last four fights have, were only equal to eight minutes. Okay, so for me, that means this guy's walking out, throwing everything he has, every single punch. What does worry me about him, though, he got lit up early, and he was leaving his chin in the air. He was walking out there with his chin out, He's and he was leaning that. back. That was the scariest thing, because he got clipped. If he wants... if he. It was a great win for him. He ended up he ended up uh, sleeping with a crazy elbow. His elbow straight to the face and right away asleep. Man, that was absolutely crazy. Great I actually knockout. posted a video about that on the Split Decision TikTok and the Instagram page. So y'all go check that out. Like and subscribe there. I pretty much try to post a bunch of like either recap fights, highlights, whatever. I try to post something daily that there were, that way there's always something else to look at. And that highlight that you posted, his elbow highlight, Dude, elbow just knockout, clean knockout of the night, no doubt, clean. But if he, if Manuel Torres, because I know he's gonna want to move up, he's gonna want to keep fighting, uh, you know, better competition. Right. As he fights better competition, he cannot keep his chin like that, or he will be knocked out very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. But as, as you know, and as, as I'm sure people could guess. You know, as you as you fight more, as you get better, you do gain access to better camps. You learn you know, better more. teachers. You can learn as long as you're susceptible. You can learn more. Yeah, you got to always be evolving and learning in this. Absolutely. What about the next Nicholas of the night? Yeah, so this was the uh, this is the last fight we're gonna recap tonight. The the it was the opener of the main card. Nicholas Dalby, Muslim Salikov. All I got to say, my recap of this, is Nicholas Dalby, he looked good. This was a good fight for him. So I honestly didn't think Dalby was going to win here coming in. Once I don't think again, I did either. 
once again, I'm humble. Because what we had here with Dalby, he was just the aggressor through and through. So Salikov was, especially early in the fight, especially first round, he was hitting him more. But when Dalby connected, instantly drops. He obviously had the power advantage. Absolutely. Close, close first round, and then Dalby just handled the second and third round. I had it 30-27 Dalby. Judges had it 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. So really everybody, if you were watching that fight, it was obvious who won. Yeah. Dalby looked good. Definitely. The Danish dynamite. You know, I know you said earlier that that was the last fart card. Or card on the fight on the card, sorry. Hippity hoobla. Right. That was the last card we were going to recap. Last have fight we're going to recap. Two bones to pick here. With me? No, not with you. One with the refs, one with the judges. So, while we may not recap these two fights, these are two very big issues that should be addressed by the UFC. So, just give me a second. Let, let me talk about the first fight. Okay. So, we're talking about Carlos Hernandez versus Dennis Bondar. Right? So, Dennis Bondar illegally need Carlos Hernandez in the head. It was... Very egregious. It was bad, and it, it looked like it was on purpose to me. Right. Listen, they didn't even take a point. Yeah, I've seen guys DQ'd for that. Right, Peter Yan. And the fact that that they didn't even take a point. They should no point. point. Right, but that's so, not even the that's not even the worst judge's decision of the of the fight of that fight, which is crazy. So in the closing, I'm sorry, that's the ref. That's not the judges. That's totally no the ref. So on the first part. That was the ref. The ref's decision was to not take a point there. So I'm saying these are all ref Both of these are refs in this fight. Right. This fight is all refs. The next fight I want to talk about is judges, which is crazy. So, at the end of that fight, closing seconds of round three, Hernandez slams Bondar to the ground. Right. After they reviewed it, they found that there's an incidental head clash. Wait, wait, wait. wait. He slams him to the ground and then... Elbows him in the face repeatedly. Yeah, he's he's, bouncing his head. It was a finish. It was a great finish. Right, it was a fantastic finish for Hernandez. Props to you. But listen, they stopped the fight where it was called. They went to the judge's scorecard. They, of course, still gave Hernandez the victory because he was dominating the fight through and through. But I just find it very, very weird that, number one, you're not taking the point from Bondar, and then, because Bondar... Not because Bondar gets knocked out, I'll be fair... But when Bondar gets knocked out, you go to a review. That's the judge. I mean, that's the 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 ref. ref. Absolutely. You go to a review specifically because you you think he couldn't have knocked him out that easily? No, it was just because it was a head. He thought it was a head. Thought he saw a head clash. And their heads did touch, but because it was such a good. Right. It was a perfect tackle. It was a perfect slam. Yeah, it was like, that's just part of wrestling is head clashes. So, in my opinion, the TKO was taken from him. He absolutely dominated the fight either way. It was a unanimous decision. I agree. But it's just something to mention. That needs to be talked about. and Something like that needs to be addressed moving forward. Now, moving on to the last fight for the UFC Vegas 75 that I want to talk about. I think Dominic Cruz has talked about this ref before, right? My boy Keith. Keith Peterson, smelling like cigarettes and alcohol. Which... I personally never understood the cigarette thing. You can yeah, it's like if you smoke cigarettes. He's right, yeah. drunk, I get it. But if he's right, nicotine, he can't ref a fight. Yeah, <laughs> maybe one day we'll be able to talk to Cruz about that and figure out what he means. But anyway, I think he was just salty about an L. 
So, Dan Argetta versus Ronnie Lawrence. This fight was called no contest due to Keith Peterson stopping the fight short. Clearly. Yeah, it was He bad. claimed it looked as though Ronnie Lawrence was tapping. So if you look at the replay, it was the guy had what looked like a choke in. Right, it looked pretty deep. So Keith Peterson, what refs usually do is they pick up the hand because he couldn't see the guy, his face. Correct, he was on the other side of his body. To see if he's conscious. He picks up his hand, the guy's obviously conscious, but he wasn't expecting, he didn't see Keith Peterson coming, so he didn't know what to do with the hand. So he kind of made a motion, but he did not tap, but it kind of looked like a tapping motion. But it was reacting to Keith Peterson. Keith Peterson called that as a tap. Right. It was bad. So... The one, you gotta feel so bad if you're Keith Peterson, like because MMA is this thing where like you can't just like after replay we're just gonna start right here. Like we called it, it's over. Absolutely you just fucked up. Right. Like, that's tough to take. <laughs> so I will say this: redeeming quality for Keith Peterson. While it was called a tap on the spot, Keith Peterson had the opportunity to call it a no decision. So while it was Probably going to end up being a win for Dan Argetta anyway. He was robbed in some people's eyes. Well, it's just no all, decision. Yeah, the but guy, it's definitely something to look at. With well, Keith I mean, everybody's Peterson. mad. The guy on bottom's mad. The guy on top's mad. Yeah, no decisions. Are, nobody wants a no decision. Well, especially in that way when it's a ref, when it's not either fighter that did anything. Correct. Both fighters. So I think they'll definitely run that back in the future. All right, so that wraps up the recap of uh, UFC Vegas 75. It was a great card, but I think we kind of talked every, talked through everything we need to talk about, and we're going to move on to this upcoming card this weekend, UFC Fight Night Jacksonville. Uh, Tuporia versus Josh Emmett. That's the main event. Looks to be a great card. What we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, the main card, plus three, two or three prelims we're going to go through. Uh, we're going to give you our picks for each fight. We're going to give you uh, each three bets for each fight as we go through. We'll give you the bets. Uh, kind of give you everything you need to know. So, for the bets, do you think you want to keep like a running like total? Not total, but percentages like me versus you? Like a like standings. Yeah, like if for for instance, if we call this June to December season one, we do a standings through December of UFC. I like it. And at the end, there's some sort of punishment that you know, of course, is going to end up on social media anyway. So, correct. I don't think the winner needs anything, but I think the the loser needs something. Right. Yeah, I agree. So let's do that. Let's do three bets every card. That way it'll never be, you know. Three bets each card. We each do our, our base units as our bets. Right. And just win-loss, whoever has most wins, pretty much. Yeah. Loser at the end of the season. We'll, we'll figure out what we do, but as of now, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I like that. All right, perfect. So what's fight number one we want to talk about? I think fight number one, uh, it's going to be a prelim fight. This is going to be Tabitha, is it Ricky? Richie? I think it's Richie. Tabitha Richie, a.k.a. Baby Shark. Nice. Versus Julian, the Savage Robertson. Uh, 
You may have just seen her on Joe Rogan a couple weeks ago. She was on there. She was. Honestly, this is a good fight between two uh, kind of young. Uh, you know, they're both 28, but like not in their prime yet. Maybe uh, women fighters. Uh, Tabitha's 8-1. and one. Jillian's, she's 12-7, and seven, but she has nine subs, and she's been on a tear lately. Uh, both these girls, they finish people. They don't have a lot of fights to go to decision, either one of them. Right. So one of the things I think here is, obviously I think it's going to be a good fight. But outside of that, I think one of the things we're going to see here is because both fighters, Richie and Robertson, both recently won by submission. I think we're going to see a lot of ground game here. So we might see a lot of a submission attempts, a lot of takedown attempts, but... There is the possibility for the stand-up, you know, all-out brawl. Oh. Going on your point, Richie, her last win was a sub. Jillian Robertson, she's won three out of her last four. All three of those wins have been subs. She has 12 wins total. Nine have been subs, so you're correct. She, both of these girls, they, they can get it on the ground. So it may not be... Get at it. It may not be the most, you know outright punch fest that everybody's looking for, but I think it's going to be a good technical fight. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I think both girls are going for the finish. I have Richie. I have Baby Shark going in the fight. What about you? I actually have the same. So we both got Richie. I don't think either one of us have a bet on this fight. No, I have nothing on this one. I, uh... I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this one. Yeah, I, I typically like to start my betting on, like, the main cards. I would I would say agree, but I think I, I have a prelim bet for you later on, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Oh, nice. So, I think we both agreed earlier when we were talking about it. The second fight that we're going to take a look at is also a prelim fight. It's Matus Rebecki versus Loic Radazabov. Radazabov. Say his nickname. You say his nickname. I can't pronounce his nickname. You can't pronounce Jaguar Paul? I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say Jaguar, Paul. That's a great nickname. I'm sure he's from Tajikistan, so I'm sure whatever language they speak there, translated, I'm sure it's Russian. Maybe it sounds different or cooler. But yeah. All we get is Jaguar, Paul. I'm not saying it's a lame nickname, but it's just, it's unique. I'll give, I'll give it that. I'm not a fan. Listen, this lightweight bout between Rebecca and Razabapov is probably going to end by decision, in my opinion. So this is both of their, uh, only their second fights in the UFC. Both guys are 1-0. Right. I think this Rebecca is going to be a chess four, match. Rebecca 14 straight wins. Right. And you can never you can never tell who they're fighting unless you're actually paying attention outside of the UFC. Yeah, but I mean, 14 straight wins, 14 straight wins. I think that, yeah, that means you're better than... The regional circuit, which obviously he is. Right, getting called up to the UFC, you know, that's like going from AAA to the majors. But you said you had this fight going the distance, is that what you said? Right. So I, who do you have winning the fight? Honestly, on this fight here, I think Rebecca's going to take it in the distance. So See, I, I got Rebecca, but I think he's going to get the finish. He has KOs and subs. I think he gets... How do you think it's going to go down? <clears throat> I think it's a close fight early on. 
And as the fight goes on, I think Rebecca's the better fighter. And I think he either KOs him or hits him hard enough where he goes to the ground. And he gets a sub from that. Okay. Well, I'm excited to... But I think we both have Rebecca. Right, yeah. Definitely the same pick here. Just different outcomes. I'm excited to see how it happens. That should be a good one. And the next fight coming up is another prelim. This is the last prelim uh, we're going to cover before we get to the, the main card. This is Neil Magny, the vet, nicknamed Haitian Sensation. Haitian Sensation? But it says he's from the U.S., so that's a little confusing. Uh, he's taking on Phil Fresh Prince Rowe. Phil Fresh Prince Rowe. So listen here. i got to be honest. I've been a fan of Magny for a while. Magny's a vet. He's 35 years old. He's been at 27 and 10, so he's, he's fought a lot. But I think Roe's going to win this fight. I got Roe, too. Roe uh, doesn't have quite as much experience, but he's been in the UFC for a good bit. He has three straight wins. He seems like he's on the up and up. Neil Magny, I'm not going to say he's on the downward spiral, spiral, but he's he's not ascending right now. Right. So if you look at, if you look at Magny, I think he's a better wrestler than Roe. But taking a look at Rose's last fight, he's got a chin, dude. He can take and deal That fight against damage. Nico Price, that yeah, was a I've, good fight. Yeah, exactly. So you, we say that, but I'll tell you, Neil Bagany, all three of his fight, last three fights have ended and finished, but he's lost two of them. Right. But listen, check this out. And Phil Rowe is very good at jiu-jitsu. Right. Rowe did finish Nico Price in the third, like you were saying. But he absorbed 110 total strikes. 66 of those were head strikes. I remember the fight. It was a slugfest between the two guys. Right. So I think either way, even though we both think Rose is going to win this fight, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting clash. I think so. I think it's going to be very entertaining, but I, I still have Rose. First fight on the main card I think we're going to take a look at, which I know we're going to cover all of them, but the first... Actually, on this one, let's go in order. Yeah, I think we just go in order, first fight in the main card, let's go from there. All right, yeah, that, that makes it easy. It keeps everybody online. It makes everybody just be able to follow it as it comes. We're going to talk Brendan Allen versus Bruno Silva. So this middleweight fight between those. Brendan Allen, shout out, Louisiana native. We're both from Louisiana. Filming this in Louisiana right now. So, yep. just throwing that out there. Shout out to Brendan Allen. So listen, both of those two fighters here, they're coming with victories with clashing styles, right? Allen finished Andre Munez by rear naked choke in the third, while Silva threw a TKO punch in the first in his last fight. So those two difference in styles here. Brendan Allen is actually his last two fights. He's ended with a rear naked choke. So it's kind of writing on the wall that they're going to be and aiming for different things here for me. Two fights ago, Bruno Silva lost by guillotine. In the UFC. So he's prone to get choked. I got I got Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen Allen. I got him by sub. So I think he's already on a four-fight winning, four winning streak. He's about to go to five. He's another guy. He's on the rise. He's, not a, he's 27. He's been in the UFC a while. He's had a few losses, but I think he's young enough where this will be his fifth win in a row if he gets it. He's on the rise. He's a guy to look out for. Absolutely. So one of the things I think here is that while Allen doesn't usually knock somebody out, he definitely could here. But also, I think even because of his choices that he makes during the fights, 
he's more conservative. Those conservative options, I think, are what's going to give him that ability to get the takedown for the finish again. And I actually have my first bet on this fight. I have the money line, uh, Brendan Allen, at minus 180 right now on DraftKings. So that's my first bet of the week, Brendan Allen money line. You know, funny you say that. That's actually also my first bet. This guy's just copying me. Yeah, we can say that, but I don't think either one of the next two bets we have are going to even be close to each other. No, that was just a joke, but not really. But (laughs) But, so we both got Brendan Allen as our pick. Both have Brendan Allen money line as our first bet of the week, and that brings us to the next fight, David. Anama? Is that how you say it? On- Onama. Onama. The Silent Assassin. Silent Assassin. Now that's scary. Versus Gab- that is scary. Gabriel Santos. So his nickname, it looks like Mosquitino. So it's something with the, the mosquito. mosquito. Yeah, I think so. Which, not a bad, uh, you're a fighter, that's not a bad thing to be said. You're a mosquito, you're just in and out, in and out, in and out, can't get hit. Right, yeah. He's ten and one. Uh David the Silent Assassin, ten and two. So we know that David Onama's not trying to let a single fight go to decision. Right? He's always trying to get the the finish. His only losses are decisions. Correct. If the fight goes to decision, he loses. The ten fights he's fought in that have not gone to decision, he has won. So right. you're correct. And on the other side, Santos, he's got a good mix. He also Never really lets it go to the decision. He always figures out the way. Well, his you say that, though. His last fight, his first last in the fight. UFC, he kind of got robbed with a split decision. You're right. And it was kind of a welcome to the UFC moment. His first decision, first decision loss. He had three other decisions before that, but he's usually a knockout guy. But I think that's a, I think that is a uh, kind of a wake-up call for him. I think he's going to come in and get the KO this in this fight. Yeah, he kind of has heavy favorite odds on FanDuel. It makes me feel like my gut on him is right, and I'm just going to steer clear for him from betting altogether. Yeah, I'm not betting on him. That was just my pick for the fight. But this should be a pretty exciting fight, too. Both guys are kind of uh, they're athletic stand-up guys, so I'm excited for this one. Absolutely. The next fight is going to be the third in the main event. It's going to be Austin Lane versus Justin Taffa. This is a heavyweight bout. Now look, I think this is going to go down one of two ways. And I'm sure you can imagine the two ways it goes down, but what do you think I'm going to say? The first one you're probably going to say is what I think is going to happen, and that's a Justin Taffa first-round KO. Okay, so you're 100% accurate there. What do you think the second thing is going to be? A Austin Lane first-round KO. Okay, so... I don't think anybody in their right mind would even look at the submission attempt from either one of these guys. Tafa has six wins, zero submissions. Austin right. Lane has 12 wins, one submission. Okay. 11 KOs. Right. So if you're a smart man here, it's you're going to bet fight. one of two things. You're betting a KO fight or you're betting a decision. Now, I don't think you're getting a decision here. What I think is going to happen is I think you're going to get a Justin Taffa first-round knockout. This is Austin Lane's 
debut UFC fight, by the way, too. No, I, I 100% understand. So what I actually did here, I placed my underdog bet of the week here. Or what I'm going to call is my underdog bet of the week here. I took Tafa round one TKO plus 155 on FanDuel. I Honestly, I love that pick. That's a great bet. I which, agree with that. Which obviously for my pick, I'm going to take Tafa to win the fight. I agree. I think Tafa wins the fight. I think they kind of... The UFC just kind of gave him a guy to knock out. You know, as I say, because I said that, it's probably not going to go that way. But I feel like Austin Lane is kind of a his debut against a guy like Tafa. Absolutely. I think he's going to get knocked out. We'll see how it goes. We will see. So that brings us to the co-main event of the evening. Amanda Ribas, the Brazilian, 11-3. and three. There's Macy Barber, Macy the future Barber. She's 12 and 2, American, 25 years old. Both coming off a decision victory in their last performance. Both coming off decision victory. Here, I'll tell you this. Macy has four straight wins. Right. She so I don't a, think either one here are going to leave anything on the on the canvas. Macy had she was almost like a prodigy coming up. She had two losses in a row. After starting undefeated and since then's won four straight, I think she's making that jump. Amanda Rebos, she has alternated wins and losses for, for her past five fights. Win, loss, win, loss, win. She's due for a loss. That means I think Macy Barber wins. I also and think I almost don't think it's going to go to the decision. Both these girls do finish girls. So I almost want to say Macy Barber by some kind of finish. So that probably means Macy Barber by herself. Okay, so... I agree that it's going to be Macy Barber, but what I will say is I think it's actually going to go to decision. I think I think it's really hard, typically, for a woman to go down in the UFC. A lot of times we're watching decision fights when we watch. Amanda Nunez goes down all the time. Uh, yeah, so I definitely think Macy Barber is going to take the, the win here. Just by decision. That's basically the only difference. Yeah, you know what? As I look at her, uh, her last five fights have all been decisions. I think I'm going to switch to that as well. Got Macy Barber decision. The last fight we have here is going to just be the main event. Josh Emmett versus Ilya Elia Tupuria. 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 El Matador. El Matador. The bull in English. Well... Taporia, 13-0. He subs. He KOs. I think this dude's a future champ. He has three straight KOs, four straight finish. I'm sorry, four straight finishes, three of which are KOs. Josh Emmett is good, but I think Yair Rodriguez kind of exposed him in his last fight. There's levels to this. I think he's a great fighter. I just don't think he's championship level. I think Taporia is championship level. I think Taporia comes in. I think it's a quick fight. I actually have... My bet this week, my last bet, Tuporia KO plus one sixty five. My last bet my last bet is also on this fight. I actually have the under one and a half rounds. I think Tuporia's time here is to make a statement. I don't think Emmett is gonna be able to stop him. And I think he's gonna get the knockout. In Big under age two gap rounds. here. Tuporia's twenty six, Emmett is thirty eight. Yeah, thirty eight. And at at 145, that 
the older you get, it doesn't translate as well uh, as like a heavyweight that 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 is that old. It's not as bad. Yeah, absolutely. The smaller guys, the age is more of a factor. I feel like. Yeah, so we both have Taporia on this one. Taporia right? is just a killer. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So that'll probably pretty much wrap up UFC Jacksonville fight night. It's gonna be a pretty electric fight. We're in store for, you know, a lot of surprising things, I'm sure. And just a reminder, early start this week, 10.30 a.m. is the prelims. I think the, the main card is like at 2 p.m. Right. So it's, so, not, it's not a night card. Right. So when you wake up Saturday morning, you're not at work, 10.30 Central Time, people are going to be fighting. It's like, uh, it's like football, college football season. You wake up at 11 a.m., Boom, games are on. This right. is just fights. Grab you a beer, sit on the couch, watch you some good free fights this weekend. Alright, so that pretty much wraps up the uh, preview of UFC Fight Night Jacksonville this upcoming weekend. And that almost wraps up our show. I think we're going to close out with a couple of big big and current news stories, uh, a little bit of history for you guys. And I think we have a couple of critical thinking questions. If that doesn't make sense for you, just wait to the end and uh, it'll all make sense. But I think we're going to start out with the, uh, with the current news. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's best. So I got I found one crazy story as I was searching the uh, the news this week. What are they saying? So you know uh, you know our boy Aaron Rodgers, right? Right. Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, new quarterback of the New York Jets, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, longtime Packer, longtime Packer. He's kind of known as um, I don't know if you'd say hippie, but you'd say counterculture psychedelic user Joe Rogan podcast guy which I say that as a compliment some people may take it as an insult but I say it as a compliment yeah I've always been a fan of Aaron Rodgers I love Aaron Rodgers but this week it was announced at a uh, psychedelic conference in Colorado Aaron Rodgers will be a keynote speaker talking about his ayahuasca experience and his ego death jeez so he's going to be talking about ayahuasca. This is a place where a lot of people are talking about uh, mushrooms, ayahuasca, any kind of psychedelic acid, anything that makes you introspective. And not every day you see a face of a franchise, MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback go to something like this. And I applaud, I applaud Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't know how everyone's going to respond to it. I know he always gets... He's going to get hate. He's going to get love. But what I want to know is, as a fan and saying this is a positive, what the fuck is he going to talk about? Is he just going to go up and... Bro, I was so high. Like, what, <laughs> what do you say? I feel like that's a very personal thing. That's a hard thing to just... Yeah, like, I guess all you can do is, like, do your best to ex either explain your trip or explain what you got out of your trip, right? If he had some sort of philosophical moment with that to where, you know, you we all get motivated at times, right? 
We do. Right. So if, if he saw something in, in his psychedelic state that caused him to just say be more motivated to be a better human, not, not necessarily a better football player, but just be a better guy, be a better person, he may just try to translate that into the story. I'm sure that's what it's about. And I'll leave and we'll leave it at that nice note. But I will leave y'all with the other keynote speakers are rapper slash actor Jaden Smith. Oh, Jesus. And former Texas Republican Governor Rick Perry. So a very wide range of guests. Well, look, it's 2023 and everyone's, we're trying to be inclusive. No, honestly, this is a great thing. Yeah. This is opening up the, the psychedelic experience and uh, good for these guys. This is, honestly, this is a big PR-wise. I know Aaron Rodgers is anti-PR, anti-media, that kind of shit. But PR-wise, it probably so helps it's a risky help. move. It helps out probably in the end, but it's a risky move. You don't, you don't really know how it's going to go. Absolutely. What you got next? So next, we're going to go back in history a little bit. Okay. So this week. How can we best set the stage for this? How can we best say, set the stage for this? Is it what I think it is? Are we talking about the guy that uh, tore down a door? Yes. We are talking about the guy that tore down the a door. The one, that... the only. Quentin Rampage Jackson. Quentin Rampage Jackson. So what do you have to say about him? So I saw this week. I didn't see what year it was. I think it was 2004. Okay. So that would be 19 years ago. So 2004, he was fighting in Pride FC, which if you don't know Pride, it was one of the... It was around an early UFC era. It was like honestly, a precursor to the UFC. The UFC was still around, but honestly, it was more elite than the UFC for a little while for certain weight classes. But it was based out of Japan. It was MMA. They had less rules in the UFC, if that makes sense. It was a little more savage. Head kicks uh, when they're on the ground, that kind of stuff. Quentin Rampage Jackson had one of the most famous MMA knockouts of all time. He picked the dude up. He was in the guy's guard on the ground. Picks the guy up, slams him on his back, slam KO knockout. What was that guy's name again? The guy he knocked out? It was Arona. Arona. Uh, Ricardo Arona. Ricardo Arona. Slammed on his back, knocked out, hit a couple more times just for good measure. But it was one of the first, I would say, viral MMA knockouts. Yeah. It's an iconic knockout. I actually posted a kind of like a highlight of that fight on the uh, TikTok and Instagram today. Dude, it watching it again after all this time, man, it is brutal. It watching, was brutal. They, they show it in slow-mo, and he pretty much just comes down right on his neck to upper back area. It does not look like something you'd want to face. And that kind of... That almost put, I wouldn't say put him on the map, but that that elevated Quentin Rampage Jackson, and after that he ended up winning UFC titles. Yeah. It definitely made him uh, a way more vicious adversary for his opponents. So that's a little history lesson for you guys. Quentin Rampage Jackson, one of the most famous MMA knockouts, one of the first viral MMA knockouts. little history lesson. So in light of UFC 75, 
I found a few UFC Fight Night 75. Right. UFC Fight Night 75. Vegas 75. I found a few. The names are so confusing now. Right. They, they have so many different names for every event. We're going to keep you updated. This past week's was UFC Vegas 75. This coming week's is UFC Jacksonville Fight Night. Even though or UFC Fight Night Jacksonville, whichever you want to say. Both hashtags work on all social medias. Listen, in light of this, I've been scrolling around on social media, Reddit predominantly. There's been a few things that have come that I just got to ask you about. I brought it to a couple other people's attention. A few things that have come. And listen, I just want to make myself not feel crazy, and I hope you have the same take. So I have, I have a couple questions. Three, three specific questions, okay? Let's hear them. All right. Number one, who would win in a fight, a gorilla versus a crocodile? Now, we're talking just like straight up on land. You know, the gorilla's not going swim in a lake and getting just pulverized by the crocodile. We're talking about on land where both of them just, you know, somewhat equal ground. So when you say that, I instantly think of the Roman Colosseum. Am I correct to assume they're just fighting in, like, the Roman Colosseum? Right. Let's just put them in a flat arena. Nobody has the high ground. There's nothing to jump on for the gorilla. There's nothing to swim in for the croc. Then this is 1,000% this gorilla is beating the fuck out of this crocodile. There's nothing a crocodile can do. There's no water. Okay. Dude, Those gorillas are so strong. Have you seen King Kong? He ripped that lizard just like... A silverback gorilla would rip a, a, a crocodile. Right. So I was I was talking to some buddies about this. Three or four of them said that the crocodile would hands down beat the gorilla. And I was like, how? All the the gorilla could hammer fist the crocodile right at the eyes and kill right. it. Right. Just hemorrhage. CTE. Goodbye. Gorillas are smart enough. He probably knows jujitsu. He, he could choke that bitch out. He could. He very well could. He get his little bitty arm in there, too. So, there's a couple things I want to do. With that question, I'm going to ask the people in the comments. So, anyone who's listening, tell me what you think. Who would win, Gorilla versus Crocodile? Alright, so after that, I got two more. The next two are way less serious. I just think... I saw, I saw both of these on Reddit as well. I just think they're kind of funny, and I'd like to mention them. So number one, who would win one beefy five-layer burrito from Taco Bell or the immune system of a child in the Victorian era? So Victorian, is that like 16, 15, 1700, somewhere in that, in that time range? I mean, honestly, does it really matter? I think diarrhea was like the biggest killer back then anyway. So that'll be... That burrito would fuck those people up. Especially a kid. Dude, I don't think the children stand a chance. Especially a kid. I mean, those kids already had a crazy low survival rate. Right. Throw in a fucking burrito with those kind of preservatives and chemicals and shit. Those kids are done. I honestly think if they smell the burrito, they get diarrhea. And you know what happens to a kid with diarrhea from the Victorian era. They die. Unfortunately, that's a what really happens. A really fast 
Right. <laughs> so listen, I need you to tell me in the comments who wins. A one beefy five-layer burrito from Taco Bell or the immune system of a child in the Victorian era? Is there any sauce on this burrito? I'm going to say no just to give the child a chance. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. So my final question of the day. It's you in the Coliseum. Okay? Like myself right now. You right now. And anyone who's listening, put yourself in the same situation. Okay? It's you right now. How many five-year-olds could you beat? How many could you take in a fight? Are they now, boys or girls? It doesn't matter. We're giving... We're giving is, the inclusion of 2023. It, it's going to be nondescript genders. Is it one at a time or all at once? We're talking, you're in a coliseum, and they are fighting against you as a group. How many can you take down? I mean, then realistically, it's probably like 10. It's nothing crazy. If, if it's 1v1, like one at a time, it would be a lot more. But if it's all at one time... But I still don't know if a five-year-old would have a killer instinct. So Baby Gronk, he's like oh, I would seven, fuck baby right? Gronk up. He's like he's seven, like 10 right? Years old. He's ten years old. I'd fuck his dad up too. So if there was like a thousand Baby Gronks, I feel like I could probably take them because they're just all hype and no substance. But let's talk about real five-year-olds, not like fictitious actors of five-year-olds. He's a real person. That's what's sad about it. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I think like 10 to 12. Okay. That's fair. If it's all at one time, because they could definitely overwhelm you pretty quick. Yeah, I feel like I could almost shout at them, though, and the, like three or four of them would back off for a second just on that. Yeah. But if we're going by that case, then I stand by my first thing where I said I don't think they have the killer instinct. So yeah. it might be more than that. It might be like 20 or 30. Okay. Because they might, you know, they're not going to finish it. Well, anyone listening in the comments, let me know how many five-year-olds do you think you could take in a Coliseum match? Fight to the death. So I think that'll about do it for the questions for this evening. And that's probably going to conclude it for this episode. Hey, man, it's been a fun first episode. I'm glad we finally pulled the trigger and did this. Uh, we're going to try to do this every week. We're going to try to give you all a lot of great information, a few laughs. If you can't tell, we're trying to be funny. Um, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to quit. It's fun. To get <laughs> That's my... not a great thing to say. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to get my perspective out there. If you ever start a sentence, because <laughs> I'm definitely not going to quit. You... <laughs> That's not a great way to start it. All right. Cue the music. <laughs>